hp.com history article. A portrait of Lucille Packard, whose ideals and paycheck fueled HP when it was a startup, and who then went on to shape community history. Partner in Greatness July 2005 Intelligent, optimistic, idealistic, and energetic, Lucille Packard was a remarkable person. Her contributions helped shape the human face of the company her husband Dave Packard formed with Bill Hewlett. Her encouragement and participation in the company's early years formed the beginning of the HP Way. When, in 1995, her husband wrote a book called The HP Way, he cited Lucille's example in the dedication. This portrait draws on material from the HP archives, as well as oral histories collected from family and friends in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Seeds of Success Lucille Salter was born July 30, 1914, in San Francisco, California. Her father, Alfred Woodley Salter, was a self-employed photo engraver. Her mother, Mabel Smith Salter, took care of the bookkeeping for Alfred, worked as the secretary to a local attorney, and also dabbled, with some success, in modest financial investments. The Salter household was permeated by a strong sense of community, respect, and integrity. Much later in life, her sister Audrey recalled that it was just expected of them to do the right thing, and that she just couldn't imagine not doing what was right. Apparently, Mabel felt strongly that what was right for her girls included a sound education. Young Lucille certainly absorbed this value, and by her early teen years, she dreamed of attending Stanford University, just to the south of her native city. But that dream contained its challenges. By the time Lucille completed her secondary education, the Great Economic Depression had settled over the entire country. Her family was not wealthy, and money for college was in short supply. Undeterred, Lou, as she was called by her family and friends, applied for admission anyway, confident she could find a way to make it through. Admission ratios for Stanford were overwhelmingly weighted in favor of young men, and her first application was turned down, but she reapplied and on her second try got in. Stanford and David Lou, an English major, was a natural leader and active in her Delta Gamma sorority. She was selected for a job doing student counseling, and she volunteered at the Stanford Convalescent Home for Children, which had been established in 1919 to treat children with tuberculosis. It was here that the seeds were probably sown for a 50-year devotion to community and children's health issues. In the fall of 1933, while attending a party at her sorority, the vivacious young Lou was introduced to David Packard. But David wasn't at the party as a guest. He was washing dishes in the kitchen, one of the many jobs he held to help pay his tuition. The lanky young man was an excellent athlete who had actually considered a career in basketball before deciding in favor of more academic pursuits. His parents wanted him to follow his father into law, but he had a different plan. His interest was piqued by engineering. While the odd job washing dishes brought Lou into his life, his engineering classes introduced him to Bill Hewlett. The two bright young men were soon taken under the wing of Stanford professor Fred Terman. Schenectady and back. Dave graduated in 1934 and left for a job with General Electric in Schenectady, New York. Lou completed her English degree in 1935 and then decided to attend a secretarial school to enhance her job prospects. A degree didn't change the fact that work opportunities for women were still limited. 
following secretarial school, she landed a job in the registrar's office at Stanford. The couple pursued a long-distance courtship and became engaged in December of 1937. Because money was still very tight, they decided to avoid the travel expenses for a San Francisco wedding, and Lou took the Overland Express train east in April of 1938. This journey was yet another demonstration of her pluck and sense of adventure, since four-day unaccompanied train trips across the country were still uncommon for young ladies. Dave met her train in Schenectady, and they drove directly to the home of a local judge, where they were married on April 8, 1938. Just a few months later, Dave took a leave of absence from GE, and he and his new bride motored back to Palo Alto, where Dave had a research fellowship with Stanford. In the rumble seat of the car, they brought the now-famous drill press, which became part of the capital equipment used to start their new company. Back in Palo Alto, they set up housekeeping on the first floor of a brown shingle house on Addison Avenue. Bill bunked in a tiny shutout back, and the two men began developing their product ideas in the garage. Involved from the start Lou was involved in the business from the very start. She returned to her former job at Stanford, working Monday through Friday and half of the day on Saturday. In the evenings and on Sundays, she did all of her domestic work and the letters and bookkeeping for Bill and Dave's start. Lou's income sustained the Packard household during those first two crucial years. It was her steady $90 a month paycheck that provided the stability to allow Dave to complete his fellowship and for he and Bill to focus on potential products. In a very significant way, she helped to make the launch of Hewlett Packard Company possible. Many years later, Fred Terman recalled a matter-of-fact conversation he had with Lou. According to Terman, she told him that her mother had helped her father get his own business started when they were first married, and Lou figured there wasn't any reason why she couldn't do the same. Throughout 1938 and 1939, Lou was laundress, housekeeper, winner, secretary, bookkeeper, company hostess, and steadfast supporter. She did it all. In her own understated words, she said, My role was typing the letters, keeping the records, and heating up the coffee pot. Addison Avenue Lou's recollection of the 18 months at Addison Avenue offers sometimes humorous glimpses into business on a shoestring, reflecting on using the kitchen stove to bake paint onto early products. She later chuckled that it took weeks to burn the smell from the oven, she said, if I had wanted to bake a cake, which I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to have done it very successfully. The first Hewlett-Packard office was situated on the dining room table inside the Packard apartment. She recalled, it was a nice table, but fairly heavy. I know that because we had to move it every time before we could let down the wall bed, since it was in the dining room. The first company desk was a second-hand model given to Dave as a gift by Lou's parents. It occupied the place of honor in the little house which Bill Hewlett vacated when he and Flora were married. She said that it filled the space so completely the door would barely open, but at least it gave them an office not on the dining table. It was their first established office. The Hewlett-Packard partnership became official in January 1939. Their first product, the audio oscillator, was soon being well-received and orders began to pick up. Dave and Bill figured that the time was right to make a run for it in business, and Lou and Flora, standing behind the decision, were two of their most ardent supporters. Lou remembered her thoughts just before she dropped her husband's letter of resignation to General Electric in the mailbox in June of 1939. 
He had been officially on a leave of absence during his fellowship. She recalled, Mailing that letter cut our financial ties, but we felt there was no alternative to being one's own boss. We didn't worry a great deal because we were sure that what we were doing was going to succeed. Her certainty demonstrated a core belief in the importance of individual contribution and an ability to think big. Lou recalled, For David and me, it was the only way. To be on your own, to work, to produce something that would do the job right, that people wanted to buy. Dave Packard said of her contributions, She was, in a sense, a very real part of the company in the early days, and so we'd worked together as a team from the very beginning. She was involved in all of the major decisions that we made. Dave had indeed found his match, a woman with plenty of spirit who was ready to try new things, move forward in life, and do what she was certain ought to be done. More like a family than a firm. As the company began to grow, so did the Packard family. Lou resigned from Stanford with the birth of David Woodley Packard in 1940, but she continued working at HP. By now, the business had grown enough to justify hiring a bookkeeper. Lucille then took on expanding personnel responsibilities, including interviewing each new HP hire. Even here on the ground floor of the business, Lou demonstrated an outlook that was people-centric. Speaking of the company's very first employee, Harvey Zieber, she said, With Harvey's hire, we immediately became an organization with concerns for employee relations. With the onset of war in 1941, her philosophical influence on the company expanded further. She did everything from secretarial tasks to interviewing and keeping personnel records. Speaking of the gas and tire rationing during World War II, she said, I took on the time-consuming but necessary job of organizing carpools to get employees to work and back home. We had to share everything. Lou is credited for coming up with many ideas that, over time, became company traditions. They included establishing the company coffee pot, bringing in baked goods, and planning the details for company picnics, as well as drumming up civic spirit by arranging war bond and blood drives. For years, whenever an employee married or added a child to the family, Lou personally selected each wedding and baby gift. To Lou, the people of HP were family. This warmth and standard of commitment to HP employees took root and eventually became a central tenet of the company's corporate philosophy. Values to guide a company These values were certainly shared by the founders, and their early introduction helped to guide the company. Bill and Dave carried a strong belief in the basic goodness of people, of their desire to do a good job, and that given the proper tools, they would do so. They also believed that it was important to contribute to the overall good, that the betterment of society was not a job to be left to the few, but a responsibility to be shared by all. At the heart of every action was a firm conviction that each person had the right to be treated with great respect and caring. Ray Wilbur, an early employee who rose to become Vice President of Personnel and Human Resources for HP, remembered being impressed with the interest and concern shown for HP people by both Lou and Flora. Said Wilbur, through their interest in our people, policies, and practices, they certainly had an impact on the HP way. Branching out. Balancing the expanding Packard family, which eventually included David Woodley, Nancy, Susan, and Julie, helping foster a work environment of respect and caring, and expanding community involvement seemed to be something that just came naturally to Lou, and she seemed to get better and better at it with time. 
during the 1950s and 1960s, as HP experienced progressive growth and expansion, Lou's direct participation became less and less possible, so she bumped her love of people up to the next level, her community. Lou got involved at the local Children's Health Council and eventually served as the chairperson of its board of directors. As the financial success of the company and the family blossomed, Lou continued to redirect more and more of her attention to community volunteer work. Her love of family was fierce, but she was not terribly devoted to housekeeping and not interested in gardening or cooking. So, instead of retiring to the life of luxury she could well afford, she chose to work full-time as a volunteer in the community. As her daughter Susan reflected in the Packard Foundation interview, it was important in her view to give back because of all that had come to them. The Packard Foundation When the David and Lucille Packard Foundation was established in 1964, Lou immediately immersed herself in its inner workings. The foundation was chartered to fund cultural, educational, conservation, and community-centered health programs in Northern California. From the beginning, the decisions regarding the foundation were a family affair, and it was not unusual for her to pass proposals around the kitchen table for each member to evaluate. Lou carried a cloth bag filled with the foundation papers wherever she went. If she had a spare moment, she would delve into the bag and read furiously. She read nearly everything that came into and went out from the foundation. Over time, she would serve the foundation as vice president, treasurer, and board member. But the Foundation was not the exclusive recipient of Lou's leadership. She became deeply involved in myriad volunteer organizations, both locally and nationally, including, but not limited to, Family Service Association, Blood Bank, Red Cross, San Francisco Symphony, Castilleja School, Children's Health Council, Monterey Bay Aquarium, and Wolf Trap National Park for Performing Arts. Love Spilling Over Lou never lost her early love of children and concern for their health. This devotion was probably rooted in two things. The first, in the volunteer work she did in her Stanford student days, and the second, in her deep love of her own children. Her sister Audrey said of Lou, she enjoyed her own children so much. She adored infants, and I think her love of her children just spilled over to include everyone. This love of children inspired her to set about creating a better way to provide children with health care in a setting that would nurture both the body and the spirit of each child. In 1967, Lou joined the board of directors of the Stanford Children's Hospital. Here she became an invaluable and tireless advocate for children. It was on this board that she helped to develop the services and programs that ushered in a new cutting-edge era for the hospital and for the health care of all children. Lou chaired the board of directors from 1983 until 1987. Lawrence Crowley, M.D., retired dean of Stanford Medical School, said he would certainly call Lucille Packard a visionary with respect to her work in developing Children's Hospital. Lou got very interested in the design of hospitals. She did a fair amount of travel to investigate state-of-the-art hospital design, but didn't much care to meet the CEOs and supervisors. It is said that she would occasionally slip away from her VIP hosts, only later to be found talking one-on-one -on -one with the rank and file of the nursing staff, discussing how things really worked on a day-to-day -day basis and what would make a hospital less institutional and more homelike for the kids. This mode of operation, going directly to those doing the work, was second nature to Lou. Like her husband, she believed that problems were best solved by everyone working together.
and that everyone's ideas deserve to be heard and considered. In 1986, the Packards made a $40 million gift that enabled Stanford to begin the construction of the new Children's Hospital. Charles Anderson, Lou's successor to the chair of Children's Hospital, said of her, She was really the inspiration. I really think it would not have happened were it not for her. Through it all, she stayed the same person, believing that everyone deserved to be treated with respect and caring. Her longtime friend, Agnes Jarman, said, Lou was a very special kind of person, never impressed by her own importance. People who did 5% of what she did have a much greater sense of their importance. She never lost the common touch. Lou died in 1987 at the age of 72. The back cover of Measure magazine, the HP employee magazine produced from 1963 through 2000, described her as a gracious woman who worked hard to make the world a better place. The Lucille Salter Packard Children's Hospital, memorializing her name, was dedicated in 1991. Lucille Packard's life story, along with her personal and social contributions, serves as a continuing inspiration to the people of HP and of the world. Of the many gifts she left for posterity, perhaps the most powerful is her example. For more information, go to www.hp.com slash go slash garage. A selection of quotes from Lucille Packard is available on the website. This article was written by Deborah Hudson, a writer for Hewlett Packard.